Thanks for joining us once again on the Women in Security podcast. For those of you who are not familiar, my name is Lee Van Tan, and I'm a security recruiter with Morgan McKinley. And in each episode, I bring on board a different female speaker who works in the industry, and we explore different topics um, that could be work-related, that could be an advice about life, and we would also touch on the different areas, different functions within information security. So hopefully through each episode, you take away something new and I hope you find it useful. And if you would like to receive regular updates on the podcast, you can find us on Twitter, on LinkedIn, as well as any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. Um, For regular updates, make sure to subscribe and I will talk to you the next time. Bye. A very welcome to the Women in Security podcast again. We have a very special guest with us today, and her name is Denise Murta. For people who are in Dublin, you would be familiar with Denise and her contributions to the OWASP community. But for listeners out there who are not familiar, I'll let Denise share with you a little bit more about her background. Hi, so as Cleefan said, my name is Denise Murta Dunn. Um, I have probably worked in the IT industry, I think, since 2004, with a focus on security since probably 2006, I would think. Um, Before that, I did a software development degree for four years. And then more recently, although it's 10 years ago now, I did a master's in cybersecurity and forensics in DCU. Okay, so you've always had an interest in this area. Yeah, so I guess I got an interest, first of all, for IT in general, was um, in fourth year in school, we did like a computer module. Now, all it was was doing letters and words and things like that, but I was fascinated. I'd never had a computer before then. Mm -hmm. So I decided then I wanted to be a software engineer. So that's how that came about and I think even before that um, my dad is a mechanic so he was always fixing cars taking things apart putting them back together and I used to probably annoy him but I say help Um, so I got an interest in finding out how things worked so I was always kind of interested in that kind of thing so as a career then I decided I wanted to do computers so I wanted to do software development so that's how I kind of got into that and then when I started my first job I did the um, Microsoft certifications Microsoft certified systems engineer with security kind of as an extra module and I really got into security and I realized that there's not much security out there there wasn't at the time anyway not like the way it is today like there was no dedicated security people let's say so I got really into that Um, And I started kind of implementing my own policies and things in the company that I worked in. And I decided for my next step in my career, I just wanted to focus on security. So I got a job with um, Ulster Bank, luckily enough, as a IT security administrator. So that's kind of how it all started. (laughs) It's... I've spoken to a few people, even, you know, people outside the podcast. And it's funny how I think your childhood experiences or even education does shape your interest Mm -hmm. in what you like. And funny enough, a lot of people who, especially people who have moved into a technical area of security, always say, when I was growing up, I had the opportunity to break 
things, you know, and fix them, be it a computer or something related to mechanics. And do you think, you know, it, it was that experience, the fun of putting things together, kind of solving maybe like a puzzle that got you interested? I'd say it probably did, yeah, because I really like finding out how things work, be quite inquisitive mm. as well. I could ask, and why is that doing that? Or how is that doing that? So instead of like even just following steps, you know, if you run into a problem and you're troubleshooting as you would in, in IT, so you Google it, um, the steps to follow and that fixes the issue. I'd be like, but how did that fix the issue? So I'd have to kind of go into it like that to figure out exactly what that did to fix the issue and understand that. So I think... Mm-hmm. So That's, it's a role I that, that yeah, yeah yeah if if you're curious by nature it's yeah, probably a good so. role yeah and today we see a lot of people trying to get into the industry because it's all over the news that there's shortage that there are roles out there so people always think oh it's a good industry to get in because I'm going to be able to get a job easily, right? Yeah. May or may not be true, depending on experience as well. But how did that come about in the past when you first started? Because like you said, there weren't that many options. And sometimes when we think about a career, you're thinking, okay, where can I grow? Where will I be in the next five, ten years? Yeah, so I guess, again, I was doing the Microsoft courses. I was finding out how things worked and I kind of, really became interested in security around firewalls, around policies that you could apply and like seeing how these things affected like the overall network and things like that. So I got really interested in that, like because before that, everything was just kind of open. Everyone had access to anything. So when you were setting up people, it was relatively easy. You know, I wanted then to break them out into different type of groups to make sure they had log on scripts. So they'd only see what they had to see. They'd have to change passwords, this kind of thing. And I just got really interested in it. And I found as well that doing types of security like that, it really gave you the opportunity to find out how things worked. So, for example, if you were doing implementing some type of authentication solution, like you really had to know, well, what does LDAP do? Or So it was really interesting for me. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how it progressed from there. Mm-hmm. On the topic of password management, right? What would be your thoughts on passwords? Passwords love-hate relationship with passwords I don't necessarily agree with having to change your password as a lot of places do every 30 days I Mm -hmm. don't think that adds anything to security as a whole because people are just reusing the same passwords or using the same one but adding like a different number at the end or anything like that and I don't think that that really works I do think that kind of there's this thing called Fido and it's kind of like a passwordless Mm-hmm. solution or if you saw one of the OWASP um, talks that we had with Steve Gibson a while ago Security Squirrel as well which is type of passwordless and you have you have something on you so it could be like a YubiKey or something like that and you, or you're able to register that with certain things so it's kind mm-hmm. of like single sign on you don't have to remember passwords maybe except master passwords so I think I'd like to see things more going that way mm-hmm. where it's more passwordless and you're kind of responsible so in that case then you're not relying as well on all these websites and everything that you register with to actually mm-hmm. hold your information your password and your username that you probably use with everything else so I think that's a, a good way to go for I guess a layman like myself using one of those um, sort of like Steve Gibson's squirrel mm. that when I was there 
everything was just kind of flying by my head. I was like, this is way too technical. Don't get it. But I do use LastPass. I think that's yes, by that's one login. Manager. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that for me at least is useful because then I can create slightly more complex um, passwords for each individual website. Mm. But I don't have to worry about remembering all of them. Yeah. I just remember the main password. And every time, literally this happens every other day when I'm trying to get into a website, I just get in there and check, okay, what was the password? So hopefully they're as secure as they say they are. But um, the fun as well, when I go into a stationery shop and you see a password book. You know? <laughs> I know, and it's the same everywhere. They're on like little post-its on people's desks. They're in there, like even my own family would have them in their mm-hmm. diaries and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it comes with, I guess, education. On the topic of OWASP, you've been involved with OWASP for quite a few years now. Yeah, so I probably, I was going to a lot of events for a lot of years and then in 2015 I kind of became involved as a volunteer and um, so I've been involved as a volunteer ever since then and at the moment I am the chapter lead for OWASP Dublin Um, so if anyone wants to volunteer who's listened to this you can give me a shout we're always looking for volunteers Um, it's really good to be and you get to meet loads of people um, who are in the industry as well um, you get to see loads of amazing speakers because a lot of people actually do want to come and speak at some of our meetups so you're always learning something new um, and I think it's just really get, great to actually contribute to the security I guess community as a whole as well. Mm-hmm. So for people who are not too familiar with OWASP right it stands for Open Web Application Security, security Pro- Project. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so are the topics always related to application security then? Not always related to application Well application security is a broad term but mm-hmm. in OWASP terms it's like the OWASP top 10 so it's like web application vulnerability so it's not always related to web application like we have had speakers in speaking about different kinds of like threat modeling even just risk doing risk assessments Mm -hmm. threat intelligence those kind of things as well which help for web application obviously but it's not just focused on the the top 10 like Mm -hmm. cross-site scripting or whatever else you need it's very useful like we've hosted quite a few of such events at work as well and while the topics tend to be very technical it's really good to get an insight into various different topics. You're learning from, you know, industry experts, people who've been doing this day in, day out. And apart from the presentation that they give, you get the opportunity to then walk up to them to discuss different topics, get to meet different people. And as you say, you know, there's regular events happening. Once you go to one or two, you start seeing the same faces. There's literally a community over there. Um, And how often do the events happen? Yeah, so we try to do one probably every two months. Mm -hmm. And then we try to throw in an odd workshop as well. So Mm -hmm. um, some of the guys like last year from EdgeScan, like they did a great workshop on like the OWASP top 10 and things like that as well for people to come and learn and to see how you'd actually like test for those type of things like do penetration tests. And so we'd have workshops like that as well. You've been going to events for a long time. Have you seen a shift in terms of the content or even just the frequency of events popping up in Dublin? Yeah, so 
obviously it's got very popular um, and there's a good few groups as well in Dublin so we have ISACA as well we have OWASP um, so there's a few of those together we have the IISF as well so they all run events too sometimes we actually collaborate and we run them together and then there is just other if you ever go on to meet up there's just things on constantly and I think as well since GDPR came in in 2018 there's been a big focus on privacy mm-hmm. and the privacy side of the house and how privacy and security can co-locate and kind of both do things mm-hmm. together. Being in the security industry you've always been aware of privacy and I guess well before it was GDPR yes. right but if we look at the working group or the office environment in which you work have you seen an obvious shift since the implementation of GDPR and what are some of the pitfalls or even advantages since the implementation and so I guess even before GDPR when it was announced that it was going to be coming a lot of work was happening so I think you've seen security teams and privacy teams expanding as well because of the fines and like the press coverage that maybe companies get now especially for GDPR that there's room for budget as well so I guess you get budget easier Mm -hmm. to actually implement things that you want to do that you know that's right so that'd be one of the advantages Um, one of the pitfalls I would think is that like you can't cover everything and you put all these policies everything in place and it's probably been the same even before GDPR but like a lot of people might try and skip around you so you have to try and think even not just what you're putting in place but how people might try and not maybe intentionally or out of badness who try to skip around the book because they need to get work done so you really have to try and think about enabling the business instead instead of being a blocker because if you do then they're just going to really step around you and then you'll have your shadow IT or whatever else and there's so many cloud solutions that people can sign up to with a credit card these days put company data on it and you won't even know unless you have the controls in place or you make it easy for people to actually use these things or give them a solution so so Let's say if I'm a listener who's an information security professional, you know, and doesn't matter the size and scale of the company, um, is there something that you could share maybe like a, a specific control that you have worked on throughout the years or implemented over the course of your career that you might be able to share? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say a control as such, like there's no particular control, but I think it's really working alongside the business more so not being a blocker and actually enabling them so people will come to you and say well, I'm not going over there because they're just going to tell me that I can't do this. So if you make yourself open, if you give solutions to things and you help rather than block I think that's the way to go rather than having your policies everything in place all these controls somebody comes and says oh I want to use this for this and you just say no is the first thing you say then nobody's going to come to you and you won't be able to have implement a good security program within there because nobody's going to be interested in it so I think that more so than an actual technical control that you might implement so communication is key um And it really is the way to bring businesses together and even to bring different departments together. Um, A lot of people in the podcast series up until now have always said that it doesn't matter if it's a technical role or if it's a business role. 
you know, ultimately, what gets things going is when you can bridge the gap yeah. between the two. Um, let's talk a little bit about your current role, because it's yeah. very well related to the things that you've mentioned now. Yeah, so at the moment, I work in the security policy risk and compliance team for Facebook. It's a bit of everything within security. So you do your policies, your risk, your compliance with the policies, and then just security as a whole. So that could be anything from doing a security review, security risk assessment. I work a lot with the privacy teams and the legal teams as well, making sure security controls are implemented to make sure there's privacy. So there's a lot of that going on. And it's probably pretty similar to the role I had in PwC as well. Mm-hmm. You've been working in the technology industry, right? Um, in the last few years, at least. But years, if yeah. we look at, let's say, PwC versus a Facebook, are there it's both companies are very security centric, yeah. right? But are there any obvious difference? Let's say because of the industry that you're in, um, from a security point of view. So I guess the main difference is scale. Mm-hmm. So obviously. Facebook is massive. It's anything you do, you have to be able to scale it. So you have to make sure that it can be applied everywhere. Whereas in PwC, it would have been, well, for my role anyway, I was internal there and I was focused on kind of Ireland and the security within Ireland. So it was much kind of smaller. You kind of knew everyone. So it was easier to manage, I guess. So when you were thinking about a solution or something, then you know, it was only it was only going to affect a certain few people, mm. whereas in Facebook it affects the billions of people that use it and all the employees as well. So you really kind of have to, like, communication is key again. Yeah. yeah. It's always interesting when, you know, we, we see people moving, not just companies, but industries or scale. For example, like you said, the previous role was a local portfolio. Mm. And then the current role now is more regional or is it global, right? Um, So the size and scale is completely different. How did you prepare yourself for that transition? I I guess, you know, there's obviously training, orientation, etc. But mentally, how did you prepare yourself for that jump? Well, I guess all the concepts are the same in security, right? So anything goes anywhere. There's You have your security domains and whatever they're implemented and they're implemented everywhere. Um, so I guess it's just making sure for me was because we're a small part of a global team, you have to try and get to know everyone and make sure you really understand what's going on. So really for the first, I still am just sitting back getting to know things, how things work. And so that's kind of how I'm preparing for it, trying to talk to people. So trying to meet people from all the different teams to see how we can work together. So it's probably just taken longer than it would in a, in a, a smaller company. So a little bit more patience, but to do things on a bigger yeah. scale. So speaking of patience, you have three kids. Yes. Right. Um, and you also mentioned you're in the midst of sort of moving houses. That takes up a lot of time. Um, I've touched a bit on work-life balance now, but you know, when when you're interacting with your kids, are you instilling the idea of security into them at 
and I'm sure you are. So I guess my question is more around how are you going about doing that? Because I know the kids are of different ages as well. So how do you send that message across to them? Around information security. They have, well, the two older ones anyway, have their devices. So they have a tablet. Um, So I guess I try to monitor what they're doing. I limit their screen time. I'm quite open about why we would do things like that. I Mm -hmm. don't let them chat to people that they don't know. So at the moment, it's easy because they're a young age. They're nine and six. So I'm able to like if they want to make friends with somebody in one of their games, they have to know the person. I say, you have to know who that person is. You can't just make friends with somebody who you don't know on the internet. So unless you know them, you make friends with them outside first and then you can make friends. So we kind of do it like that. So if they want to join anyone on a game, I kind of approve it. Mm -hmm. Um, I keep an eye on what they're downloading. Which again, as I say, it's easy to do right now because they're young and they take what their parents say I guess is gospel but yeah. I'm sure they'll start questioning it <laughs> as they get older why mommy why <laughs> yeah so so we have that going at the moment and then the younger one he's only two he's not really interested in anything like yeah. that at the moment my daughter as well she's pretty interested in so she does scratch programming in school and I also got her python for beginners which we were going through as well so she's interested in that kind of thing as well which Mm -hmm. is really good but yeah so I just generally try to be open as to why you can't talk to strangers and you don't know who they actually are never give your name and your address out or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and would you like your kids to be in this space in the future would you try to I guess encourage them to get into the space I wouldn't try and encourage them if they weren't interested in Mm -hmm. it now as I said my daughter seems to be interested in making things like she because there's this game called Roblox I don't know if you know no idea it's a kids game it's an online game but people can make games for it so there's it's people that make games for it and they release it into it and then people can join it so she's kind of into that she wants to make a game that people would be interested in mm-hmm. so she's kind of interested in that kind of thing maybe not so much security but yeah. I don't know how aware she is like she understands the kind of as I said the security of speaking to strangers and things like that mm-hmm. but I don't know if she understands like data and privacy yes yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly but I think you know even from educating them on how to approach adding friends those are very basic things that they may not become aware that oh that is you know relating to my data online or just in general information security but Mm. it's creating a foundation for them yeah which in future that's the basic hygiene and security that we always talk about right um i guess we, we have to mention this because you were nominated and you won the women in information security award for ic square in 2017 yeah. tell us a little bit more about this achievement of yours um so i was nominated kind of surprisingly i guess for the awards and i received the nomination in and i didn't think anything would Mm. come of it because you can get nominated quite quite a bit and then i received a letter inviting me over to london um for the conference over there and it was I think December so I was actually on maternity leave at the time so I think my baby was he was born in May so he's about seven months old at the time so I was all kind of 
focused on that. So I didn't really pay much attention to it. But I was even thinking maybe, oh, should I go? Because I didn't know whether I should leave him or not. But anyway, I went. And then surprisingly enough, I won, which was absolutely brilliant. Um, it was mostly for the work that I did do with OWASP rather than my, I suppose, my career mm-hmm. insecurity. So my actual day job. So it was mm-hmm. more to do with that. So it was lovely to win and it was lovely to speak to everyone over there there's like four other categories as well I think and so it was great to speak then to all the other nominees and get to know them they're from like all over the well all over Europe because it was for Europe okay and then there was another um, Peter was over there from Icon so he he actually won an award as well and he's from Ireland he had some involvement with the OWASP as well (laughs) wow so if you want to be in the know-how about security if you want to work with people who are well influential in their own way OWASP Dublin is the way to go I think so yeah (laughs) um and what are you going to be busy with this year um so moving house so pretty busy that's a big job yeah I actually want to do some of the privacy certifications as well just because I'm really focused on security so I kind of want to I suppose open up a little bit more into the privacy kind of side of things because I do a lot with GDPR and things like that as well so I really want to kind of get that nailed down and just bring up the kids make sure that they're okay and um, hopefully do good in my job (laughs) (laughs) plenty to keep you busy for sure but Thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us today. I really appreciate it. It was lovely speaking to you.